So take this heart, Lord. I'll be your vessel. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this evening for gathering us to learn on this crucial subject. We pray, Lord, that you speak to every one of us. I pray for myself, for grace, to speak your word boldly on this subject. And I pray, Lord, that you give us hearts that are fertile to receive your word, to keep it until it bears fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I would like to, first of all, thank God for the opportunity to share the word of God with you and to speak on this subject, this very controversial subject. And, and I pray that God will speak to all of us and, and the Lord will be praised even as we learn together from the word of God. I'm speaking on head covering in church for men and women. That's the topic that I've been given, head covering in church for men and women. And we are picking this from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, from verse 2 to 16. So I, I would like to read it before I start commenting on it. And this is the passage that speaks to the subject of head covering in church for men and for women. And verse 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying, this is verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shown. But if, if it is shameful for a woman to be shown or shaved, let her be covered. Verse 7. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. Verse 10 says, For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. 
but all things are from God. Verse 13 says, judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Verse 16, which is the last verse, says, But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Hallelujah. This is the passage that we are focusing on and the things that I will be saying, of course, will generally be from here, even though from time to time I reference other passages. The first thing I would want us to note is that the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is proper conduct and God-given order during public worship when it comes to the issue of head covering. Uh, that is what I just read. And then the second part of the chapter, which is on the Lord's Supper. So God has a code of conduct, an order that he has given about how people should behave in public worship when it comes to head covering, first of all, and then secondly, on the subject of the Lord's Supper. When you look at verse 2 of what I just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, it deals with the fact that the Corinthian church remembered Paul in all things and they were keeping the traditions just as Paul delivered them to the church. So the Corinthian church remembered Paul in all things. Of course, if you look at the things that he's reminding them of, you can see that there are some things they don't, re- they don't remember what he has taught them. But he is commending them for the fact that they remember him in all things and they are keeping the traditions. So it means it's not just one tradition, the traditions, just as he delivered them to the church. And the way that is translated here, traditions, sometimes it is translated, in the King James, it's translated as ordinance. In some versions, it is translated as teachings. It's a Greek word, paradosis. And it means the substance of a teaching or practices that are flowing from a teaching. So something like baptism, it's, it's a practice. It's a, it's a, it's a custom. It's a tradition. And we practice it for everybody who comes into Christ afresh after they have come to believe on the Lord. And it is a practice that is flowing from a set of teachings as far as baptism is concerned. So that is a similar word that is translated here, traditions. So in the King James, as I said, it is translated as ordinance in God's word. In um, I think in NIV is translated traditions, but in some other versions, it is simply translated as teachings, teachings. Verse 3, that is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, deals with God's order or God's hierarchy when it comes to functions. And he says, the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. God here is referring to the Father. So the head of every man, according to the scriptures, is Christ. The head of woman is man. 
the head of Christ is God. This is supposed to create a functional hierarchy between the father and the son on the one hand and between man and woman in the context of family and in the context of church. And I want you to note that this hierarchy has nothing to do with superiority and inferiority. If you look at verse 11 and 12 from what I read, you can see that there is an an essential interdependence between man and woman, such that there can be no man without woman and there can be no woman without man. So woman came from man, but man also comes through woman. There there is an interdependence. So the the hierarchy being created is simply a functional hierarchy. is God's assigned hierarchy. It is not because of anything they have done. And when you look at the hierarchy between the father and the son also, the father is the head of the Godhead. And Jesus will say he is greater than him. But the Bible is not telling us that he is superior to him in essence because he and the father are one, even though the father is his father. It is important to note this because uh, some people feel that asking women to cover their hair, as we will see very soon, is it, it, it makes the woman inferior to the man. It is not an inferiority, superiority uh, hierarchy. It is just a functional hierarchy that God has created. When you go to verse 4 and 5, from what I read, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 and 5, the ordinance or the tradition is, is set forth. And he says, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Remember, the head of every man is Christ. So every man who is praying, this is the, this is the tradition, this is the ordinance, this is the teaching. Every man who is praying or prophesying and covers his head, that person is dishonoring Christ by that act these days you see that there are people who go to israel buy prayer shawls and come and use them the bible is saying every man and man here is male every male human being praying or prophesying having his head covered that person is bringing dishonor to the lord jesus verse 5 sets the second part of the ordinance and it says but Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, which is the man. Remember, the head of every woman or the head of woman is man. And then he gives a reason. He says, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. So the ordinance is that when a man is praying, that man must not cover his head. If he does so, he is bringing dishonor to the Lord Jesus. And secondly, if a woman is praying or prophesying with her head uncovered, that woman is bringing dishonor to the man. And remember, it's not it's not the man who says, I am the man, so I am the head. It is a God-ordained order. So you are not just bringing dishonor to the man as your head, but you are bringing dishonor to the structure and the hierarchy, the functional hierarchy God has put in place. When you read the rest of the passage, you will notice that it, it's, it's a blend of 
reasons, arguments in support of the ordinance or the tradition as set out in verse 4 and 5. So I would like to highlight a few of the reasons or the arguments that are made in support of this tradition and ordinance. From the verse 4, we discover that a man who covers his head while praying or prophesying dishonors Jesus. And we also discover that a woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors the man. So the first reason or the argument for why a man should not cover his head whilst praying or prophesying, and the woman must cover her head whilst praying or prophesying, is that it brings dishonor to the hierarchy God has created and their heads respectively, whenever they fail to do that. And when they do that, of course, it also means that they are bringing honor to God, first of all, and to the heads that God has put in charge of them. What it also means is that when a man is praying and he covers his head, or a woman is praying, and she refuses to cover her head, praying or prophesying. That person is directly attacking God's ordained order, which is God the Father being the head of Christ, Christ being the head of the man, the man being the head of the woman, in the context, again, of family and church. Anybody who refuses to follow what this teaching is saying, the Bible is saying you are attacking the order that God has created in the church. God has ordained for the church. The second thing I want to drive home, or the second argument I want to drive home, is from verse 7. And verse 7 says, A man should not cover his head whilst praying or prophesying. And the reason given for this is that because he is the image and glory of God. So a man must not cover his head whilst he is praying because God's image and glory must not be covered. Because man is the image and glory of God when he is praying, that man should not cover his head. In contrast, we are told that the woman is the glory of man. For me, what it means is that the glory of man must be covered in church. Man's glory should not be projected in church. Because a church that is worth its sort is a place to bring glory and honor and worship to God. So the glory of man must be covered in the church and because the woman is the glory of man that it, it needs to be covered when we come before god in in worship in prayer and in prophesying as the scriptures are teaching us it testifies the fact that when a woman covers her head what she is actually saying is that man's glory must be covered and god's glory must be projected when the man does not cover his head when you look at verse 15, it speaks again about glory. And it says, a woman's long hair is her glory. 
a woman's long hair is her glory. That is First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15. He's saying, a woman's long hair is her glory. And what it means is that this glory should also be covered. So the glory of the woman must also be covered in church. Just like the glory of man must be covered. So a woman who doesn't want to cover her head, according to the passage, she has to remove this glory, which is the hair. She has to shave the hair completely. That is the only alternative that the scriptures are presenting. Except that the Bible presents it as a shameful practice for a woman to shave her head. So if you do not want to cover your, your glory as a woman before God, the Bible is saying the only alternative you have is to shave, cut off that glory completely. But the Bible again reminds us that it is a shameful act for a woman to cut off her hair. So when you read the verse 6, it says if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off or shaved or shorn. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. She should cover her head. The first reason I gave is that it, it brings honor to the order that God has ordained. The second reason I gave is that because woman is man's glory, man's glory must be covered. The third reason is that because the long hair of a woman is the woman's glory, that glory must also be covered when we come to God in prayer and in prophesying, especially in public worship. Now, when you look at verse 8 to 10, 1 Corinthians 11, it says that man is not from woman, but woman is from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. And because of this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. What I want to note from these three verses is that a woman covering her hair or her head whilst praying or prophesying symbolizes the fact that the woman has not only accepted her God-appointed role as having been created for the sake of the man and as his helper, but it also shows that she is willing to submit to the authority that God has ordained, which is the head of every woman or the head of the woman is the man. So a wife must submit to the husband, daughter must submit to the father, sisters in church must submit to the church leadership, etc., etc., etc. I did a little research on on this subject and I found that radical feminism in the Western countries, especially in the US, which started in the second part of the 20th century, actually coincided with the attack on women covering their hair. And you should go and read about radical feminism. You 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 know that it is an unbiblical and Christian movement. 
you should you, you should all go and read about it. But the question that we should be asking ourselves is why should they cover their head or have a symbol of authority over their head? Because of the angels. I believe the angels that are mentioned here may either refer to fallen angels who fell from where God has placed them because they refused to submit to the authority that God has ordained. The God-given authority, the place that he has put them, due to verse 6, they did not keep that place. They did not submit to that authority and they fell as a result. But of course, it can also refer to the elect angels who are in heaven, who actually the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 12, that they long to look into the things that God is doing with us as far as salvation, Christ, etc., 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 is concerned. The passage seems to be saying that a woman should wear a covering on her head as a sign that she is under a man's authority or she is under man's authority as ordained by God. And from the passage, it appears to me, the angels have no confusion about this subject. They, 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 they just long to look into it, but they are looking on. And any woman who is failing to do that or any man who is failing to do what is expected of him is actually bringing confusion to the angels. They are surprised at our behavior. Verse 16 says that, and this is the final reason uh, or the final argument I want, I would want to drive home. It says every church that is a church of God will insist on head covering for women when they pray or prophesy. I want to read it the way the Bible puts it. It says, if anyone seems to be contentious or argumentative on this subject, we the apostles, we the early church, and all the other churches of God, we have no such practice. We, we, we have no such argument. So we, it is clear in our minds that the woman should cover her head whilst praying or prophesying whilst and remember that paul is giving this ordinance or command to women to cover their head whilst praying or prophesying in a time that this was not the prevailing culture or custom what he was saying was actually counter to the culture at the time that he was giving this ordinance because the greek women not all of them covered their, in fact, most of them did not, the gentle Greek women did not cover their hair. In fact, if you watch any of the historical movies about Jews, Jewish men cover their hair when they are praying. Jewish women cover their hair. So the ordinance he is putting in place in this passage is not a Jewish practice. It's not, it's not a Greek practice. It, this is an ordinance that he has received as an apostle and he's instituting it in the church that has been planted in Corinth and all the other churches from Jerusalem to wherever, they did not have any arguments or debates about this subject. I want us to take note of that. There are some questions that often come up and I want to just quickly eliminate them so that you don't ask them again. Some say that Head covering for women does not apply to us today because we are not under the law. What we see from the passage is that the reasons that are given why women should cover their head when praying or prophesying 
they seem to be rather eternal reasons. They seem to be more general biblical reasons rather than legal reasons from the law. But you should also note that all the early churches at the time did not have any debates about this subject. It was clear in their minds that women should cover their head whilst praying or prophesying. And a man should not cover their head whilst praying or prophesying. The second thing I want to eliminate, or the second question I want to eliminate, is that some say that the head covering is just a symbol. So it is not so important. And 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 further to this, there are some people who have argued that, oh, I can actually just put a strap of cloth at the edge of my hair. In fact, I have actually seen arguments as I was preparing that there are some people who say that the woman's wedding ring can serve as a symbol of this uh, 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 submission to authority that God has ordained. Um, I just want to say that baptism is similarly a symbol. The breaking of bread, which the second part of this chapter talks about, is similarly symbolic. It is a shadow of something real. And remember the passage is saying, cover. Cover. The third question I want to eliminate before you ask is that some say that because the head covering for women is mentioned only once in the New Testament, um, it is not so important. We should forget about it. In fact, it is not about salvation, so we should forget about it. And my response is that there are many things that are similarly mentioned only once. If you look at even the Lord's Supper, apart from the time Jesus instituted it in the Gospels, in all the in the rest of the New Testament, the letters to the churches, etc., etc., it is mentioned just once. The fact that God loves us believers the same way he loved Jesus, just as much as he loved Jesus, is mentioned only once in the Bible, John 17, 23, in the high priestly prayer. How many times did God tell Adam not to eat of the fruits of the knowledge of good and evil? Once. Genesis 2, 17. How many times did he tell Moses, speak to the rock? Once. So the fact that something is mentioned once does not negate its importance. It depends on who is speaking. Daniel stood in a Gentile land in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 and decided not to defile himself because Leviticus 11 says they should not eat certain foods. The next question I want to eliminate, and that's the last but one question I want to eliminate, is that some also argue that because the Bible is commanding us, Luke 18.1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. First Thessalonians 5.17, we should pray without season. It means that women must wear the head covering 24 hours. And my response is that context is king to understanding and interpreting any passage I write. And we have already seen the context of First Corinthians chapter 11. It deals with public worship. And the tradition is saying she should wear a head covering whilst praying or prophesying for men not to wear head covering whilst praying or prophesying. You can refer again to the verse four and five. And the last question I want to eliminate so that you don't ask that also is that some have argued that the hair itself 
is called head covering or is called covering for the woman in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 15 so there is no need for a further covering or an additional covering because the hair itself is called a covering for the woman or is given to the woman for a covering and my response is that Paul will simply have said women should keep long hair if that is what he's driving home. And if you look at verse 14, he says that a woman's long hair is nature teaching us that women need covering. You look at verse 6 and he's saying that if a woman does not cover her head, let her also have her hair cut off. It tells you that the covering being talked about here is not the hair, but the hair is there and it is long to tell you, to teach you naturally that you need a covering over your head. And this is needed when you are praying or prophesying. My conclusion is that I don't believe somebody has to stand at the entrance of the church carrying a cane and forcing every woman that enters the chapel to cover her head even against their conviction, against their belief in church meetings. God expects us to do things out of conviction and voluntarily respond to him. So he doesn't force us even to be born again. But I also believe that it is not out of place following sufficient teaching on this subject in church for the leadership of a church to forbid a woman who refuses to cover her head from publicly praying, leading prayer, prophesying in church. The church will not be out of place. Leadership of the church also will not be out of place if they put such a measure in place. Following sufficient teaching. And my emphasis is on sufficient teaching. In John chapter 7 verse 17, Jesus says that if anybody really, really, really wants to do the will of God. The person will know whether what Jesus is teaching is from God or not. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to every heart listening to me. And if you really want to do the will of God, you know whether what you are hearing is from God or from man. God bless you. Okay, brethren, at this moment, we allow for questions, even though he has address some frequently asked questions. Okay, thank you very much. I think the first one is sort of a clarification. So uh, if I understand you right, it means that it is more to the, the the public worship. So you are trying to say that if the woman is praying at home, uh, covering may not be necessary. Is that the case? And then the second one is that you said that some people decide that, oh, let me just use something small to sort of tie the the tip of my hair since it's probably symbolic and all that. But I've uh, I've seen people put something like a scarf, I mean, throughout the hair in the middle. And you are seeing, or some are even putting a scarf, but you still see hair showing. Is it that everything should be completely covered? Or those people who sort of put that kind of scarf in the hair and have uh, parts showing, 
is allowed or whatever it is. Every bit of hair should be covered. Okay, so thank you. These are my questions. I would like it if Daddy can respond to the first question, then I'll respond to the second. Well, public worship has got some regulations concerning speaking in tongues, concerning the number of prophecies which can come, concerning communion, Lord's Supper. So this particular head covering has to do with public worship. Like the preacher explained, Jews, men, women cover in worship. Greeks, Romans, they don't cover in worship. Because in Corinth, the prostitutes, there were about 1,000 prostitutes for the temple of Aphrodite. Mm. So, the way to publicly show that you are a Christian woman is you cover for prayer, public worship. Now, out of church, definitely for a woman who prays or prophesies, It means God likes it. You know, God likes it. But definitely we cannot stretch it too much. It's the same with lifting up of holy hands, 1 Timothy 2.8. That men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Uh, in church, yes. But if you are praying on the street and you are lifting up holy hands and in the trotro, people will say, are you correct? So let's understand that the passage is addressing public worship. Out of church and public worship, when it is private, praying, prophesying, I believe that it should be a practice, a habit. But there will be places where it will be ridiculous to do that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. The, the second question is asking if the hair should be completely covered. The passage is saying cover. And for me, cover means cover. There is actually an English word, which is half covered or partly covered. So the Bible says cover. And and that is my response. Somebody is asking in the chat whether using weak as covering will suffice. He said, what about the argument that weeks are a covering? Must the covering be cloth? So I'll ask a question to answer the question. In your heart of hearts, how many of you or how many women do you know actually wear weak to cover their head? And they are using the weak as a covering. 
I, I don't know of any woman who does that. Maybe if you know somebody, you can bring it up. Uh, but I don't believe the wig is a covering because you are wearing it to further adorn yourself. You, you are, you are not wearing it as a covering over your head. And must the covering be cloth? I don't believe it should solely be cloth. Um, it, it, it can be with different things. It, it must not necessarily be cloth. My question is, according to the scripture, men don't supposed to keep long hair. So my question now is, um, should the men who have long hair be forbidden and, um, I mean, prophesying or doing what a woman who does not cover the hair should be forbidden of doing? If it's no. So the men with the long um, hair, should they also cover their head when praying? That's my question. When the passage does not say that, so we, we will be adding to God's word and, and injunctions if, if we add that a man who has long hair should not prophesy or pray in church. The, the, the passage doesn't say that. Same. The woman is to cover. The man is not to cover. The, the Bible is not telling us to forbid them and, and we will not have a biblical ground to forbid them. Uh, from praying or prophesying. So my question is, how much of this really is, can we definitely say, like when, the way we argue at First Corinthians 14, how much of this can we say is cultural specific to what's happening in Corinth? Because uh, the last thing I'll say is that when the Council of Jerusalem gave instructions for the Gentile churches, they, they mentioned the other problems Corinth had meet, offered to idols and so on, but they didn't leave this one out. And, and, and so maybe that's my confusion really. When you look at verse three, which is actually the foundation for the entire ordinance, it creates a certain order, a certain God-given order. The father, the son, man, woman. Then you look at verse 16 and it says, if anyone seems to be argumentative on the subject, the churches of God and they, they, the apostles, the founders, the leaders of the early church and the churches of God is referring to the, the entirety of the early church. They did not have any debate on this. So this tells me that Paul is not just speaking to the Corinthian church, but he's speaking to the wider church. Of course, this is the place in the Bible where the ordinance is spelt out. But the, the way the tradition is set out and the arguments are given in support of it suggests to me that it is not just the Corinthian church, but mm-hmm. the wider church and, and to the current church as well. I believe that verse 16 is there to tell us that he knows that People will contend about this issue. He knows that people mm-hmm. will argue about this issue. And he's saying, if you are arguing about it, or if there are churches that are arguing about it, we don't fault them, but they should know that the churches of God, they have no debate about this subject. And so what he's saying in essence is that what he's writing to the Corinthians, 
he's writing to them so that they do the same thing and be like the other early churches following the same tradition. And I have made the point already that what he's teaching here is counter to Greek culture, is counter to Jewish culture. So he is not taking Jewish culture and imposing it. That is why you don't find it in the Old Testament. He's not taking Jewish culture and imposing it on Gentiles. And he's not taking Gentile culture and imposing it on, on Gentiles as well as the rest of the churches of God. The structure of the argument and the way the ordinance is spelled out tells us that it is not just the Corinthian church. It is to the wider church of as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. That, that, that is my understanding of the passage. I think like Kofi is maintaining, there are four points he raises which go beyond the Corinthian church. Mm-hmm. The first is the verse three. I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the one is the man, and the head of Christ is God. That is not only in Corinth. And he begins the argument in such a way that he links the head covering to doctrine in an unshakable way. Because if anybody is proving that Christ is God, equal to God, is Paul, Philippians 2, verse 6, that Jesus didn't count the fact that he was equal to God. Colossians 1, 15, 16, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of our creature, and so on. So to make the head of Christ God and say the head of man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. He's bringing out such a strong point that to limit it to Corinth will be wrong. Mm-hmm. Then, the verse 16, like he says, he's saying that, look, we are not only talking to you, Corinthians, so the churches of God are involved. So it's not a local thing. Yeah. Verse 10, he says, because of the angels, Angels are not only in Corinth. Angels are not only in Corinth. Then verse 7, he says the man is the image and glory of God, but the woman, even though she is the image of God, she is the glory of man. And it's important to notice that it's Paul who tells us in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, that in Christ, there is neither male nor female. Peter doesn't tell us that. John doesn't tell us that. It's Paul who insists that in Christ, there is neither male nor female. Therefore, when he makes the point that women should be covered, he is not being anti-women. He is not being anti-women. Of all the apostles, It's Paul who lifts up the image of the woman to tell us that in Christ there is neither male nor female. And he he tries to lift up the image of the woman to the point where we, in fact, he even calls them sons 
of God instead of sons and daughters. So the, the, the passage itself is clear. Now, the difficulty here is what I pointed out last week. There is a basic difference between men and women that God wants maintained and same-sex societies want to destroy. The church is weak against homosexuals and same-sex because it is failing to see that male and female created in the image of God. And this distinction is there despite the fact that both are in the image of God. Structurally, administratively, he created the man first and the woman out of the rib of the man. And he did it intentionally. So the scripture is laboring to keep the difference. And it is, you see, we are saved by grace. We are not under the law. So when things like this passage come, the greatest apostle of grace in the whole New Testament is Paul. Anybody who is bigger than Paul in grace is blaspheming. No other apostle stretches grace like Paul. So if Paul puts covering of hair in the church under grace, then it means that it is part of the grace. And it is interesting that for the woman who prophesies or prays is chapter 11. It comes before chapter 14, which says the woman should keep silence. And if she has anything she doesn't understand, she should ask the husband at home. So it means that Paul is not saying women should not pray in church. Women should not prophesy in church. That's not it. In fact, he even tells us in the Philippians 4, verse 3, 4, about Judea and Syntyche, who are his fellow laborers and people whose names have been written in the book of life, but they were very quarrelsome women. And that Clement should help them to, to be at peace. So what about the daughters of Philip in Acts chapter 21? They were prophetesses and they were prophesying. And Paul was there. So when Paul is saying women should keep silence, he definitely doesn't mean they shouldn't talk in church. He is talking about the woman talk. And it's not only Corinthians. In the first Timothy chapter 2 from 11 to 15, he says that the woman should not usurp authority over the man, but learn in silence. And that is to Timothy in the Ephesian church. So at the end of the day, the interpretation of these things 
has to do with one, the context, two, the arguments, and three, the Corinthian church helps us in that. There was a lot of problems in the church. And so Paul's writing to them to solve those problems. He had to use a Christocentric approach. So you see that even the verse one, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So sometimes when men explain these things, it looks to the ladies as if men don't like ladies. That's why they are slapping them with covering of the head. But it doesn't mean men to don't have a head. Men to have a head. Their head is Christ. Somebody is asking mm-hmm. in the chat, the natural African woman's hair is short, bushy and kinky if no enhancements are done. The passage says cover the head. So should the woman be veiled? Um, the Bible says cover the head. And a head covering is not a veil. A veil is supposed to cover your face. That is not a head covering. And and the passage is careful not to use a veil. The, the veiling that Muslims do, for example, and, and leave the eye, I'm sure you have seen some of it before. It's, it, this is not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible here is talking about covering your head, not your face. So So that settles that. The second question there is, this applies to women. Please, isn't the passage specifically addressing the relationship between husband and wife? Please, read the passage. When you read the passage, it is very clear that it is not about husband and wife. And in fact, that subject doesn't even come up in the whole passage. Somebody says, please, if the man is not to cover his head, would that mean that men should not wear hats to church? I believe that we all know that even when you are talking to an elderly person, you remove your your cap or your, your hat as a sign of respect. The Bible says when a man is praying or prophesying, he should not cover his head. Uh, these days, I see a lot of pastors, especially prophets, going to Israel to buy prayer show, and they cover their head when they are praying. Please, the Bible is very clear about the subject. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.